welcome to Episode 2 of Unmasking the Abuser, the podcast. My name is Dr. Dina McMillan. I'm a social psychologist, domestic violence expert, and the author of But He Says He Loves Me. In the first podcast episode, we discussed how abusers really think and feel. That included some crucial information about abusers' psychology. In this episode, we'll look at their romantic preferences and how they go about selecting a new partner to lure into a toxic relationship. And, as always, the tips, information, and insights I'm sharing includes knowledge abusers don't want you to know. Today, I'm going to start with a question. Do you think you're not an abuser's type or that you couldn't be enticed into a relationship with one of these men? I want you to think again. The only way to be sure not to get involved with an abuser is to recognize their tactics early and get out before you get trapped. This entire series is going to show you how even confident, savvy women can still be manipulated into an abusive relationship. Being in an abusive relationship does not indicate anything about the victim other than the fact she didn't have the knowledge to spot her abuser early. The Unmasking the Abuser series is going to take care of that. All set? First, I think we need to clarify the use of some terms. When I say target, I'm describing a new romantic partner currently being sought after by an abuser. Her position is still uncertain in his life. She may have spent a good deal of time with him, but she hasn't yet committed to the relationship. When I say victim, I'm describing someone currently in a committed relationship with an abuser. And by committed, I mean they live together, they're engaged to be married, or they're married. A survivor has had a relationship with an abuser, but it's in her past. For those whose exit is still new and tentative, they may or may not go back to their abuser. I still describe them as a victim, not yet a survivor. Speaking of descriptions, it's really important to define the kind of man I'm calling an abuser. And please note, we're talking about male abusers with female victims now. We'll talk about female abusers with male victims in a later episode. To begin the definition of abusers, what percentage of men do you estimate in our culture are actually abusers? I would estimate the percentage of teen boys and men in mainstream Western society who fit the description I'm about to share is between 8 and 10%. Wow, that's still a lot. But that means more than 90% of the teen boys and men we interact with every day are not abusers. I should mention here, these podcasts won't guarantee any guy who isn't an abuser is your perfect fit. He could be incredibly dull. He could still be in love with his ex. He could be living with his mom so she'll do his laundry. You still have to keep your brain on and you still have to choose. But if you pay attention to the warning signs, look out for the tactics I'm going to share with you in detail and follow the tips on what to do if you're targeted. Your risk of getting involved with an abuser is lowered, even eliminated completely. Unmasking the Abuser is the first program that offers these key detailed insights you can use to keep yourself safe. After all, getting involved with a guy who turns out to be an abuser can be more than just a bad romantic experience. It can be a ruined life. Let's make sure that doesn't happen to you or someone you love. First, let's define what I mean by an abuser. 
Abusers are men who are filled with rage, although they try to disguise how easily they become riled and angry when they first get involved with a new partner. They're extremely manipulative, using anything they know and anything they learn about their target to gain her trust, cement strong emotional ties with her, and maximize their domination and control. They're pathologically jealous. They expect to be the complete focus of their partner's attention at all times. If not, they'll do things to punish her. These guys are super intense and demanding with their views and opinions and principles always at the highest setting. And of course, they expect their target, who becomes their victim, to listen to them vent endlessly and always be in agreement. If their partner disagrees about their views or even just doesn't feel as strongly about something, abusers will often view this as betrayal and their response will be explosive. And abusers are moody. Not only are abusers prone to mood disorders, even those who haven't been diagnosed are extremely temperamental and highly changeable. When we get to the emotional and psychological impact on victims of living with an abuser, we'll discuss the damage of living with someone like this. No, not finished yet. Abusers are incredibly selfish and self-centered. They insist their partner be willing and available to meet their needs 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. No legitimate reasons or other obligations are acceptable in their minds. If an abuser backs down and concedes temporarily, either because of social pressure or because his victim has a very compelling reason for turning him away, he'll often punish her later for what he sees as the neglect of her duties or even a betrayal. Betrayal is a strong term and one you hear a lot when dealing with abusers. Usually it just means someone said no or he didn't get his own way. Part of their selfishness is that they're stingy with other people while excessively generous with themselves. Although some are skilled at pretending to be generous during the early days when they're still trying to entice a target into a relationship. Abusers enjoy being cruel and flaunting their power over other people. Once the relationship is established, one of the favorite people to turn their hatred, their cruelty, their anger, their brutality on is their victim. This includes hurting their partner's feelings just to demonstrate their power. It also includes frequent criticism, complaints, mean comments, disclosures and behaviors that are intended to embarrass and humiliate her, and treating whatever and whomever the victim values and loves with complete contempt and dislike. Abusers are deeply uncomfortable until they've achieved complete domination over their target or their victim. This is a powerful driver for their use of manipulation. They want to get results fast. When we get to the section on tactics and warning signs, the rapid pacing to get the target emotionally attached and dependent is one of the most reliable ways to spot an abuser early. They're also unwilling to take responsibility for their bad behavior. We discussed this before, but one problem with dealing with someone who will not take responsibility for what they did wrong is that you can almost bet whatever you have, they're going to do it again. The first step to changing your behavior is admitting you did something wrong. This is something they are unlikely to do except as a short-term measure, usually after a crisis, but they will soon go back to blaming someone or something else for what they did. 
Abusers maintain a dramatic double standard in their relationships, including morally, but also practically. They can do things that would result in severe punishment if their victim did the same. When I say the abuser does something to punish the victim, what I mean is he does something he knows will be emotionally excruciating and psychologically lasting. For some abusers, punishment also includes physical violence or some type of sexual assault. With abusers, this twisted pattern is not something that only occurs in a single relationship. It's almost like they follow a dance, repeating the same behaviors in the same order each time they get involved with a new partner. You're listening to the Unmasking the Abuser podcast with Dr. Dina McMillan. There are two main parts to abuser's strategy. In step one, the abuser selects his target based upon his personal preferences. In step two, he grooms the target using the tactics I'm going to detail in later episodes of this podcast. There's also a step three, but in many ways, it's a replay of step two. It involves rerunning the tactics that work best during the initial grooming process, which is step two, in order to keep a victim from leaving the relationship or to convince a victim to return. Let's look at what abusers do in the important first step, their selection process. After listening to the nearly 700 abusers that I interviewed, I realized they divide their potential targets into three basic categories. Category one, ready and set. The women in this category have already been trained to surrender total control of their lives to their male partner. Most were reared in strict patriarchal religions or cultures, where sex roles are firm and separate and submission by females to male authority is expected. Gaining control in these situations is therefore not something an abuser has to work to attain. He may only have to convince the target and especially her family that her basic needs will be met and usually has to offer marriage. Once in that committed relationship, the abuser will constantly refer back to whatever cultural norms or religious texts support his total authority, misusing these writings or practices in ways they were never intended, including his supposed right to physically or sexually assault his wife. He'll learn quickly how to twist cultural norms to keep himself from being held accountable by his victim, her family, or her community, unless the elders are strict in their non-acceptance of abuse. Keep in mind a large segment of women within this category may come from Western cultures, but live in farming communities where responsibilities are divided by sex due to practicalities, not necessarily religion. Their geographic isolation and the mutual reliance within their families for the proper running of their farms means reporting abuse is less likely and adequate community support for victims is rare. I should mention before moving to the next category that women who have survived a previous long-term relationship with an abuser may also belong to this group. Their previous relationship may have effectively trained them to obey and submit. And then there's type two, using advantage. Now, it may seem like women from traditional cultures are the easiest option for abusers to choose, but that's not necessarily so. In addition to having strict roles and responsibilities based on sex, traditional cultures are also very family-oriented. This can keep an abuser from fully enjoying the separation and privacy he wants so his cruelty and brutality can be hidden from sight. 
In fact, it's the women in the second category that give abusers the maximum control and domination opportunity. These women are actually selected due to their significant disadvantages relative to the abuser. Age, education, income, social background, physical attractiveness, sexual experience, family ties, social placement. For example, pursuing a woman from a disadvantaged ethnic group or a recent immigrant. Abusers seeking this category to target will do everything he can to make sure she's always aware of her social, educational, financial deficiencies relative to the abuser and will repeatedly draw attention to them. They'll also continue to maximize the gap between themselves and their shared experiences with their target. The abuser will take the target to places where he fits in and she doesn't, or his status is recognized while she's a plus one and generally ignored. In these cases, the abuser will avoid and begin forcefully pulling the target away from any situation where her accomplishments are celebrated or where she has strong emotional support. In their lives together, the spotlight will only be allowed to shine on him. He hopes she'll soon forget she deserves a light of her own and will start believing what the abuser tells her that her only chance for an exceptional life is by the abuser's side living according to his rules. Women in this category will constantly be reminded in word and deed that the lifestyle being held out as a promise by the abuser is predicated upon them remaining in the relationship and fully surrendering to the abuser's will. The abuser thereby gains complete domination over their lives together. I know some of you have been anticipating type three, the challenge. I should first say, I suspect a lot of you aren't really surprised by the first two preferences. After all, controlling men like women with mindsets or circumstances that make them easier to dominate. But oddly enough, some abusers admitted to me they prefer strong, independent women they can then mold into a submissive companion. These abusers are willing to put in the extra effort it takes to do this. Of course, it takes more than just effort. Abusers in this case have to rely on a few tried and true maneuvers to gain compliance and avoid immediate rejection from their target. Let's look at some of the most common situations that will be exploited by a cunning abuser. Let's begin with temporary circumstances. When strong women are in a difficult position, their judgment may be temporarily reduced. This can create a blind spot so they miss warning signs they normally catch quite quickly. Even if they recognize worrying traits, they may be less likely to act while their focus is elsewhere. Some of the most common situations that fit this model include having a sick or recently deceased relative, a new move to a different city, job loss or financial financial disaster, infrastructure breakdown, car trouble or house issues, a painful relationship breakup, recent single parenthood, especially if the ex is being difficult, loneliness, or any other life situation that could cause an independent woman to feel desperate for understanding, companionship, and assistance. The next situation is one of the sneakiest and most effective. I call it the halo effect. In this case, abusers pretend to be something they're not, assisted by the surroundings where they meet the target, at a church or place of worship, at a rally for an emotionally charged social cause, or while they're both participating in a good cause or charity event. Abusers who hunt in this manner know they have to learn the appropriate jargon in order to fit in with the group. 
A surprising number of abusers admitted to me they choose this method to find new romantic partners because they know their targets will associate him with the values promoted by the place, organization, or the cause. They noted many of the women they meet in these situations will be strongly disinclined or even outright refuse to recognize when they've been manipulated and played. Are you getting nervous yet? And we're not even finished. There's also equal footing. Abusers here begin at the same level as their target. The same year in school or university, the same job level, the same skill ranking in a sport or leisure activity. Abusers recognize their preferred style of twisted relationship will be tough to establish while the two of them remain equals. Gaining control requires smashing the target's confidence and lowering her expectations while at the same time expanding the abuser's authority over her. They'll work fast to chip away at their target's confidence with comments, jokes, and placement in situations that will bruise her ego or cause her emotional distress. The abuser watches closely to see what works, then he'll rinse and repeat it. At the same time, he'll steer the two of them into areas where he excels and he's more familiar with the people and situations. Here, too, he'll find ways to avoid getting involved in anything where his target may outshine him. Even if it means canceling at the last minute due to a feigned illness or a false emergency. The abuser will soon have her believing she's not quite good enough and that she should be grateful for his relationship with her. The next category is something that's often used in sales. It's called mirroring. It describes purposely matching another person's nonverbal behaviors to simulate harmony, connection, and deep agreement. It should be no surprise to you by now that abusers often go further. They may claim outright that they share the values, tastes, and principles of their target, most or all of which isn't true. But saying it and using the matching gestures inspires trust and may convince the target she's found her perfect mate. But in other words, he's lying in word and deed in order to get the target to lower her guard, to like him, and to trust him. As the abuser feels no guilt for this deception, it may be difficult to rely on the usual methods to spot dishonesty. Someone touching their face or eyes or throat when they're speaking, repeating themselves, pausing too long before answering, lack of eye contact, or too much eye contact. I keep saying this because it's crucial. Abusers lie and pretend often and well. Their ability to convincingly claim beliefs they don't share may be difficult at first for you to recognize. So brain on, heart closed, until you have enough time and information to know for sure. There are still a few more ways abusers deceive confident women. There's Harry Helpful. Oh, this guy. Some abusers work their way into the lives of confident women by offering her assistance when she's feeling overwhelmed. In contrast to the first circumstances category, the situation for the target here is long-standing, not temporary. Single mothers, women with demanding careers, and those caring for older relatives often slot into this group. Because of the social norm of reciprocity drilled into most of us from an early age, especially for girls, the target will feel obligated to spend at least some time with her helper. Even if she notices something's off about him, she'll also recognize that full rejection is going to cost her his help. This may keep him around long enough for a bond to develop. 
But the abuser won't just cross his fingers or wait for that to happen. As soon as possible, he'll start using the tactics I'm going to share with you in future episodes and which may go largely unchallenged, especially if he combines his efforts with the on-your-side maneuvers we'll look at next. On your side, the abuser here presents himself as the modern woman's biggest ally, offering a sympathetic ear above and beyond anything she's getting elsewhere. He'll always be available for a chat and always takes her side, blaming other people or circumstances for any challenges she faces. He'll enthusiastically support her even if, and especially if, she's in the wrong. His advice to her, if she asks, will always be to act on her feelings and to demand to be given her do. When the outcome of taking this advice is poor to disastrous, as the abuser secretly hopes it will be, the target's reliance on him is going to increase. This ruse is, in fact, an abuse tactic that can be implemented early as a grooming mechanism. You'll recognize it when we get to the tactic called feeding the weeds. Last but not least is proud before the fall. Strong women are rightfully pleased by their self-reliance and savvy. Yet, as a result of this, too many believe themselves to be invulnerable when it comes to abusive relationships. Huge mistake. Devious abusers who are pursuing one of these women will offer something the proud target desires. Great sex, business opportunities, even just companionship. They'll be working their abusive magic on the target while she's not paying attention. Cunning abusers even if they're not intellectually smart, always get how our minds work. These guys will be using the powerful tactics I'm going to share with you to spur the target to become emotionally, psychologically, and practically attached to him. He knows she'll be in denial about what's occurring until she's already immersed in the abusive relationship. Then the trap will snap shut, the dynamics will change, and whatever she came into the relationship to get will largely evaporate. Then the proud, independent woman will will become another victim of an abuser. Are you all clear on this? Anything you don't understand or want more information about? Any category you think I forgot? Anything you'd like to know, please email me at unmaskingtheabuser at gmail.com. Now, next podcast, we're going to start looking in detail at the mesmerizing tactics used by abusers. These are the secret to their success, so it's definitely worth it for you to learn to recognize these key maneuvers. I'm Dr. Dina McMillan. I hope you'll join me next time on Unmasking the Abuser, the podcast.